Hello, Kryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. On today's episode, we have Robert Sampson on the podcast. We were both just hanging out in Braveland and decided to sit down and chat crypto. So with that said, here's the episode. Check it out. Make sure you like, you subscribe, and chat with us over in Discord. So with that said, stack sats and huddle. Adios. Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I'm once again back in Braveland. I bumped into a fellow Ravenite. Here uh, is Mr. Robert Sampson. How are you, Mr. Robert Sampson? I'm great. Thanks for having me, John. I really appreciate it. Awesome. So, enough with the professionalism. I literally was just hanging out in Braveland and saw you hanging out here. (laughs) We were literally just hanging out. Um, and I decided, why not make a podcast, man? We're already out here doing this, right? So, Robert, I literally don't know anything about you other than I just bumped into you here. Go ahead and introduce yourself and your, I guess, your history and how you got into Ravencoin. Well, I'm actually working with a technology company called Citrix, and they do application delivery, desktop delivery, and file delivery. And we do it for top-tier banks and healthcare and all kinds of things. So when I first saw blockchain, I didn't realize Bitcoin was this blockchain technology. And I had been hearing about it from IPFS and things like that. And then realized at some point that this was all related and seeing crypto as being a way to get out from underneath the banking control that they have. And we can kind of operate without money laundering and all those things you hear about with the blockchain technology, voting on blockchain. So I was super into it. And then it must have been a couple months ago, just getting into the crypto environment, because I always studied from a technology perspective for data and possibly using it for us. But now I'm seeing how viable it is as a currency and then heard about Raven through the asset management and hearing about how you can issue assets and do stock with it or gift cards. or There's so many limitless possibilities with that that I've just fallen in love with this platform. <laughs> That's awesome. So assets, huh? Assets is what, is what got you into Raven. Yeah, just specifically. I mean, that's a differentiator, I see. Because Bitcoin is just a coin to me. And so, Ethereum does uh, the contracts, but that's like Gronkowski. <laughs> right. But but uh, Ethereum also does contracts as well, does assets as well. Um, not as efficient and not as affordable as Ravencoin, but uh, there's actually other blockchains out there as well that do compete with Ravencoin. Uh, but... You're here now. I'm assuming you are a bag holder of Ravencoin. I assume, right? Yeah, not that big of a bag. Right. Not as big of a bag as the early miners, but. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, come on. That would be that would be nice, right? Especially now that we're in a bull bull cycle. That's awesome. For those that have a big bag. Um, so, are you developing on Ravencoin? Are you making any projects? Any NFTs? Any assets? You know, I honestly would like to take it and see how it can ensure data delivery so anyone at a company that would send a very high-end document high importance high security document to ensure that it got there and it was in fact the authentic document yes is where i see this type of technology going so if i was to develop anything on this that 
so the NFC process is super awesome because I used to collect Pokemon cards as a kid. Awesome. So the whole idea of doing NFTs for baseball cards and all that stuff is just also super interesting and fun. I tell you what, man, when uh, Pokemon joins the NFT rage, it's just going to blow oh, up God. even more, dude. That and World of Warcraft, those two things, if they jump into it, because right now not it's not just about those cards or those 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 static images that are being created but there's also these um skins for games that are being created for uh, as nfts that's awesome like for example in braveland right now which i don't think anyone's spoken about so i'm going to make this official right here i was thinking would be awesome like for example this conference right here if we had uh say for example um tron in here and it's a it's an exclusive meeting but you have to have a tron t-shirt a Tron skin, and you can only buy that with Ravencoin to allow you access into this room. That's Ooh. cool, man. That's cool. Or That's or like or exactly, or a button, or a button, for example, or 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 a Ravencoin hat. You know, buy those, right? It's a, it's gonna cost you like twenty Ethereum to buy the Ravencoin hat. And that's obviously you have it on your avatar, so you're clear, clearly authorized to enter this building, right? That's cool. Right. Yeah, and dividing up, like, I was also thinking down the road here when Braveland gets underway, this would be a great place for a corporate conference. Oh, absolutely. With a globally distributed company, I mean, getting everybody to Florida or wherever we go for these giant meetings we have every year to get together as a company, this would be great. Yeah. Just rent out a whole place, and then like you said, with the uniform, you could segment people based on uniform where they don't have access to certain areas, then you allow everybody together for certain things, then yep. split up to different skills organizations. I mean, this is a fantastic way to do it. Yeah. As and a matter of fact. sharing within here as well. Like yeah. The fact that I could send a file to you on here, that, is, that blew my mind when I got in here. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I was just interviewing someone from Florida a couple of days ago oh, nice. here in Braveland. As a matter of fact, if, if you didn't know... Uh, uh, blockchain tiger he's currently uh in florida right now so we I, i'm i'm in california he's in florida we met up here in braveland and did the interview right here so that was awesome just to do that just to do that in re like real time for the both of us here and for all the podcasters and for all the youtubers listening to this and watching this like we can be in completely different places we don't have to be sitting together physically anymore it's all here and on top of that we can exchange currencies or fiat or assets. You know, speaking of speaking of your, uh, your your idea, I was thinking that if it's gonna work, most likely it's gonna have to utilize IPFS, right? Right, because you can't have people coming in that aren't a part of the company. Right. How do you verify those people? Right. So yeah, I love it. And then you could even give an NFT out to all your employees that you can only get into the world with that NFT is almost a pass. Exactly. That's awesome. And like, you were saying in the form of, of an avatar or something, but as as a as yeah. a skin. As a skin. So like you're 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 wearing you're wearing, for the for the listeners out there, Robert's wearing a, a nice blue uh, navy suit with what is that, gray or brown pants? I can't really see from the uh, over the table. I don't remember here we look here. He's, he's literally looking he's down. Really, I can really see. Brown. He's looking down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, any other, any other ideas that you want to bring forth and put it on the record of what you envision or what you want to do with blockchain technology, or what you have seen and you want to improve on? 
like for me, I, I already have two books published on Amazon and I actually want to convert that over to blockchain technology and and issue that out here. That's you know, amazing. I heard you talking about that earlier. That is a great idea. Issue your books and put in a pool of assets to get to your one million club. Yeah. You're talking about. Yeah. Which I think for sure you're going to get to if you keep doing this. Yeah. I'm I buying your book. You talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the thing I really would like to see is just that. How do we tie in the legal side into this to do almost like car titles? Anything in the world that needs to be verified, you don't have to drive somewhere to go verify it. And that's fantastic. I mean, if we can really develop this, that would make the whole world run way better. I, I think the only thing we're missing is like a proper KYC built into um, Ravencoin. But I think there actually is. Let me actually check. Hold on one second. I'm going over to my Ravencoin QT right now. I'm checking on create assets. There's a main asset for 500 Raven, a sub asset for 100 Raven, unique assets which are NFTs that cost you 5 Raven, a messaging channel asset 100 Raven, a qualifier asset 1000 Raven, a sub qualifier asset 100 Raven, and a restricted asset 1500 Raven to create. Now, my understanding of what Tron explained was that the restricted asset that costs 1500 Raven is pretty much in compliance with pretty much all the government's agencies out there because I, I, the way it's developed allows the company to issue these and take them back at will make sure that people are KYC AMLs so there's a lot of um, coding behind the scenes on the restricted asset end I haven't created it yet myself I have I don't really have a need for it. that's more of like a corporate thing but that might work. I mean, isn't it exciting, John? You've been doing this 10 years, and now we're finally hitting that momentum where everybody's kind of catching on. It's becoming a realistic thing. Yeah. How exciting is it for you? Well, for, for me, it's it's one of those things like I wish it should have happened sooner. Because keep uh, So I've been doing this since 2010, <laughs> yeah. and I kept telling everybody that this is the way to go. This is what it's going to be in the future. And people just shunned me like, no, it's not the thing. What we have is perfect. There's no way we're going to change. Like, no, you don't understand. Like, <laughs> blockchain technology is way better than what we have. And now we got these mega corporations buying into it. It's so amazing. And, you know, you have led the way to get us to this point as far as, like you were saying earlier, using your Bitcoin rather than holding it just to make it a viable thing. Yeah. But I feel like now the next step is to make people understand what is a hack? Like, what are these actual assets? Like, how is that blockchain actually working? And if we can visualize an easy way for them to understand and trust that system, it's kind of a black box for them right now, I feel like. Do you have an easy, easy explanation about that? You know, I was thinking it'd have to be some kind of graphic, obviously, and being more of a marketing guy, I could see a number of ways to do it, but it's kind of like explaining code and the differences of writing C++ versus C and all those things and trying to make a decision as a business owner, what code am I going to select? You're also getting a little feedback there. I am? Oops. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you got a mining rig running in there? No. I guess my yeah, fans are just, my fans are just spinning up. My computer's been on all day. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's another so, thing too. I mean, have you been involved at all seeing those uh, GPU spikes? Uh, so early on, what I did was uh, 
I started off downloading the a Bitcoin node and obviously I don't know how to code even then when I first started with with Bitcoin I was less educated on on coding now I can sort of tinker with stuff but back then nothing other than turn my computer on and watch YouTube or you know uh, I think at the time was MySpace that's <laughs> that's that's all that's all I was able to do right um, I downloaded the node, then I did some ASICs, and that's when I really started to learn about um, coding was was ta uh, tinkering with ASICs, and that was so fun, man. It was fun, but it was annoying at the same time because having these in my bedroom, these ASICs in my bedroom, just winding, it was horrible, <laughs> man. And they're so hot, it, it heated up my room all the time. It was horrible, but it was it was oh. fun because at at that time it was just at the beginning, and now I know that feeling when everybody gets into blockchain technology or into crypto in general, they spend sleepless nights. And I know I know everybody goes through this. It just it's just natural. And I think the majority of people start off with weak hands. They don't truly understand what crypto is for the long run. So everybody wants to trade and make a profit, but at the end most people most people actually end up end up losing out if they're not a a diamond hands, right? Yeah. And you've been holding for years. You're telling me just hold, hold, hold. And that works because this is all new. I mean, it's like a dot-com boom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's with the asset name. Everybody's getting those asset names and picking up Coca-Cola or whatever it is. Yeah. So did I? That feels the same. Did I get into GPU mining? I did not. But my but my co-host uh, Jake has his own um, farm. It's he actually owns it and he's he's a company, you know, Jabberly Farms, and oh, nice. he that's that's his thing and and he's not here with us right now, but he's normally on the podcast. Uh, so for the, for the, for for the cryptonauts out there that listen to the podcast, they I'm sure they are very familiar with who Jake is and what he does. Uh, so he's more knowledgeable on the on the GPU side than I am. Um, yeah, I was talking more of the prices and in a general sense. Oh man, they're very easy. Like the whole idea of crypto was that everybody was a gamer and they all had a way to mine this stuff with yeah. their extra gaming time, and it would spread the currency evenly among the people. And now that nobody can get a hold of a video card, it is centralizing that. And everybody likes to scream about centralization and how it's bad and everything, but you do need somebody to make sure that it doesn't get totally ruined or hacked or whatever. Uh, okay, so, so there is a level of centralization. But the mining groups and these big businesses buying up. So many of these cards, the value of billions of dollars of these rigs, man. These these warehouses yeah, are just yeah. These warehouses are just so unbelievable, man. So I still haven't had an opportunity to walk into one of these things, but I've seen a lot of videos out there. Of these these mega warehouses of G, just GPU rigs, massive, massive, massive. Uh, yeah, and then the common man can't compete. So I wanted to know from you, what's the point of crypto supposed to be? power to the people or was it just supposed to be a new way to do money and we still need these big whales to kind of make sure that the market doesn't dip or raise too much like the consistent making sure the value doesn't cut in half in a day happens when you have a wallet of 40% on an exchange yeah I, just, you know? so uh, over the years I've asked this question many times and I, I have a general answer I can give you so yes we do need decentralization but at the same time, we need that liquidity. If these big bag holders obviously want to make profit, they need to dump their money also into blockchain and these hardwares, right? So that's where the liquidity is coming from. Otherwise, we would not have had the opportunity to hit that $2 trillion mark that we currently are at right now. Right. 
So it's 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 a two blade it's a two bladed sword. Um, unfortunately, you have the pros and the cons. Yeah, and you know, talking numbers too. Everybody's like, when's it gonna hit the moon? When's it gonna go to a dollar? When's it gonna go to ten dollars? And with Bitcoin, this is kind of a rookie question here. I'm hoping for your experience here. Twenty-one million Bitcoin total, eighteen plus million in circulation now. Whereas Raven's gonna be twenty-one billion with 8 billion circulation now. So how do you see that price? Do you think you'd ever see a high price, or is this really meant to stay low so that it's a usable coin for a long period of time? Well, 21 billion um, from the Ravencoin community is actually not enough. Everybody's really against it and actually want to raise it uh, beyond 100, 100 billion. That's Which what... I could see. Like, Dogecoin for the people, it doesn't really have a cap. Because I guess the idea is you want to keep it at a point where... Wait, say that again? I missed that, that part. Which, which which coin? Uh, like Dogecoin or something like that where they don't have a cat. But yeah, I see I see these uh, currencies that have 21 million versus 21 billion. And what do you think the differences are and the uses are one crypto to the other as I'm looking at these? So repeat that question one more time because it sounded like a, a, a two-ended question. Yeah, it is pretty much, but... Bitcoin only is 21 million, Ravencoin 21 billion. Why would you do such a, like if it's Bitcoin 3.0, why would they make so much more? And is that on purpose to make the price stay low so it's more of a common name currency? Or so the, it, reason the, the, price, the price will inevitably go up. It's not going to stay low forever. It's going to go up over over duration of the time. And basically what Tron said, if you're not buying the Ravencoin now, you're going to pay a lot more in the future. It's going to go up. 20, uh, Twenty-one billion is not enough. We're eventually going to hit a dollar. It's going to go up there and beyond that for sure. Once there's more liquidity dumped into the market, it's just going to continue to go up. It sounds. Yeah, like, it sounds. It sounds like just, a. It sounds like a lot, but it's not really a lot. Yeah, I mean, you figure eight billion people on Earth. <laughs> yeah. Y'all got a couple coins, you know. Yeah, especially as especially as now, especially now that we have third world countries entering blockchain, especially now with the utilization of uh, uh, Starlink. I mean, come on now. There's going to be more people tapping into the Internet than ever before. And, you know, it's funny you say that. I've always said about any country that's not a first world country right now hasn't laid trillions of dollars of infrastructure for technology that's going to be obsolete. Exactly. So they can just skip and hit the first world, and they never even waste it or exactly. like land and all that. Exactly. That comes with it. Exactly. Yeah, so it and that's that's really what great. that's what Africa is doing right now. They are skipping a lot of things, and they are jumping directly into blockchain, and they will be the future very soon. They're passing. They're going to pass America, pass China. Africa is the place to go. That's where blockchain technology is really being really? utilized. Yes. Are you talking like South South Africa, or are you talking like yes, where you yeah, talking? South Africa. South Africa, yeah, that's a pretty big hub. Good mines down there, too. All of them yeah. are. Yeah. But yeah, I've done a lot of hardware sales in Nigeria and things like that. I had a couple guys up in Connecticut, actually, that were buying and selling mass computers because for us, a Pentium 4 wasn't that good, but for them, it was great. So <laughs> I moved a lot of machines over to Africa with them. Really? Nice. That's great for them, too. Otherwise, how- they get thrown away. It's so stupid. They are a good machine. How long have you been doing that? Oh, that was uh, probably 10 years ago. I had a computer shop, and this guy kind of stumbled in. I was buying from a recycler, 
like 100 laptops at a time and a bunch of desktops and he came in and asked like hey I'm trying to give my entire town a whole bunch of computers could you source them for me and I was like yeah absolutely and plugged them into the recycler nice and I was like really can I, can I was like do they have internet there that's just American <laughs> perspective so, but I was like I had no idea what their infrastructure was like and since then I've learned that very savvy group over there yes yes so let me ask you robert so you got into bitcoin first right or did you just read on bitcoin and then move over to ravencoin start utilizing ravencoin oh well yeah i've been for since 2008 really i had an opportunity with friends to go mine bitcoin and i did and then i had an opportunity again three years ago to do it and i was like nah, nah it's not real money it's like disney bucks yeah <laughs> it is like disney bucks but it's like for the whole world <laughs> Uh, did did but, you have a, did you have an yeah, opportunity? I found my way to Raven oh, okay. I I'd go How recent? Me, like I, a year like, ago? Yeah, probably a year ago. I started actually investing and taking it seriously. Okay. Uh, and even then, it was still like Bitcoin was at three k. I think when I first started looking at it, like wow. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a real thing. I I have a receipt from an eight from a Bitcoin ATM. And um, it's somewhere stashed in one of my boxes. And I believe that transaction shows that Bitcoin at the time was worth $250. Oh, my God. What, a, what an heirloom. <laughs> exactly. Keep Everyone's. I am, I am keeping that, man. As a matter of fact, some people have told me to create an, uh, an NFT with it just to show everybody that Bitcoin at one point was affordable. <laughs> That's crazy. I... You know, I wish I didn't have weak hands back then, but who would have known that in, in such a short few years that Bitcoin is, at, you know, hitting up to 60,000, soon to be 100,000, without a doubt. But, uh, there's To me, there's no doubt that uh, Bitcoin is going to hit 100,000 very soon. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, again, the, the amount circulating is so low that a billion dollars goes a lot further market cap. Those prices keep it up high. And that's what I was saying with Ravens. And I'm glad that it's not going to be this tiny little pool of coins that goes skyrocketing because then it's just for corporations to use. Yeah. It's not a common like, currency. So, so you'll be able to hit the 98% of the population. Small businesses can use this. Like, this is going to be a great economy. Cool. Hey, absolutely. Uh, have you looked into any other blockchains? Oh, yeah, several. I mean, I mean all the algorithms really intrigue me because I think anybody ASIC mining. Again, it creates centralization, which is fine in some cases, but it's supposed to be like a common currency. It seems like there's different currencies for different types of use cases. And Raven's a good example of that, because they seem to almost want to be pushing these assets more than they care about the coin itself. Do you get that feeling? That's exactly what the whole intention of, of Ravencoin is, is to be the best at creating assets than anyone else. Got it. And then they've got the burn rate in there too for these asset creations. So the coin will become a smaller pool over time. But I did the math, and it's like 10 million assets would be like, uh, I think it was 5 billion coins burned. So we're still at a pool of about 17 at yeah. that point, 17 billion. So yeah, it's really not going to make that much of an impact. But the coin will gain more value over time. It should. Yes. Which is great for investors. So Absolutely. they kind of set it up real nice. So let me ask you, Robert, uh, with, with your expertise, I want to know what you think about proof of work and proof of stake. Oof, not an expert at that stuff. That's what I'm learning right now, actually. 
and why I was interested in talking to you. Oh, <laughs> oh, uh, um, me? Uh, I'm not no expert. <laughs> what, what, what I could say. What 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 I could say on on the difference between proof of work and proof of stake is that I think we can agree that decentralization is a good thing for blockchain technology, right? My issue with proof of stake is that it's moving it towards a centralized entity. Now, Ethereum, even as proof of work, has proven itself over and over again under the rule of the Buterin. He's done several rollbacks in the blockchain history where the community, the Ethereum community, was actually upset about that because that is obviously not decentralization. You cannot do that at all. That's not acceptable. So what is the difference between proof of work and proof of stake? Well, proof of, okay, so proof of work, obviously you have all the miners mining into the blockchain, right? Everyone's trying to secure, they're, they're, the whole purpose with proof of work is to secure the network. That is the premise of proof of work, right? Now, as a reward of you using your hardware, you are rewarded those tokens, right? Proof of proof of work. Now, proof of stake. Yeah. Now, proof of stake. Obviously, Ethereum is requesting a minimum of 32 Ethereum to create a staking node. Staking node is just you showing proof that you are a node, and you're holding a minimum amount, and you're rewarded in return for staking your your ethereum does that sort of make sense a little bit not at all oh sorry about that yeah so it's more of a you got to invest to get the game rather than mining to get your coins initially right exactly and my issue with that is that this allows centralization because without a doubt big wells are just going to come in and be the proof of stake. This has been proven with uh, Steemit. Steemit had a big bag holder that jumped in and pretty much just bought out the majority of Steam and ruined the community. And as as since that time forward, the community actually abandoned the project. And that's the whole point. Like the reason that we're part of Ravencoin is because for me, I can't speak on your behalf, but for me, the community is very trustworthy, very nice, and very helpful. Now, if the community did not like what the developers are doing, I can promise you they will abandon the project, either fork it or go to a different blockchain. And that's what happened with Steemit. Steemit did not like what the developers are doing because it was central. It was centralized. It was proof of stake, and there was a big well that came in, bought everything up, and they wanted to transition everything over to what their vision was, not what the community wanted. And the community was very against that. But the big well did not care. Yeah, yeah and I completely agree with that. I mean, you can't. Oh, it's just turned into Walmart coin. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants that. Yeah. So, yeah, keep the power of the people. I mean, we're the ones trading all the currency. They're just holding it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, now that I clearly understand that, it, it is very convoluted trying to figure out that exact definition. That was perfect, honestly. So, with Ethereum, I'm still able to mine coins. Are you saying just at first, to get a node, you had to do 32 Ethereum or whatever it was? Hold on. Repeat that again because you're kind of going back and forth. Sorry. <laughs> so, with proof of stake, you have 32 in Ethereum to mm -hmm. get a node. 
as you said, that's an investment to yes. get in. Yes. But I'm still mining Ethereum right now. And yes. Point. Yes. So how long was it just an investment period to where people could then start mining coins? You can, how many people got it initially? You can still, so it's it's two different blockchains per se. There is the, the staking, the proof, of, the, the proof of stake, the Ethereum proof of stake blockchain, and there's the uh, proof of work blockchain. Now the proof of stake, obviously everybody has to transition from the proof of work in order to, to stake into the proof of stake blockchain. And eventually everybody's gonna be forced, not volunteered, but will be forced to push over to proof of stake. That's being built on the back end by the, by the uh, Buterin developers. Gotcha. The, so community, kind of the, the community is upset because what this is actually doing is not giving the community, not even the opportunity to fork. From now on, from now on Buterin said that there, you, you will not have the opportunity uh, to fork it again because obviously what's going to happen is the community wants to fork they don't want to go to proof of, proof of stake but you have no choice because what's been built on the protocol on the back end is that uh, pretty much from my understanding your coins are going to be burnt or no longer going to be valid and will pretty much be worthless and you can't do anything with them they'll be locked up or whatever so you're forced over to proof of stake and the community is upset about that because if they want to fork you should allow them to fork right and that's the whole centralization thing. like if we had everybody forking and everything you kind of lose efficiency whereas if everybody can get on when it's not perfect but we can set this new standard of blockchain if, we could, if we're fighting too much about how we do it we're never going to get to blockchain technology and, and that's what and that's what ethereum's problem has been since the beginning that's why it's taken so long to come up with ethereum 2.0 so i used to host meetups here in silicon valley uh like physical meetings here in buildings in silicon valley uh, regarding blockchain technology ethereum uh ethereum virtual machine um protocols that were being developed and sadly the majority of them failed one because the majority of them were scams, without a doubt, for sure, were a bunch of copycats. And I read their white papers and I looked at them like, hey, you literally want to be here at this meeting, at this meetup, and you want to shill your crypto. But your crypto, your white paper, because I read the white papers, your white paper is literally verbatim this other guy's white paper, which is another copy of some other person's white paper. All you did was just change the name. Like, and I'm, I'm looking at this guy, huh? I was going to say, that when you ask me like what blockchains do I like, it looks like every blockchain is the same wallet on the desktop app. Yeah. You're right. Everybody's just ripping off each other. Yeah. Even still. Anyway, sorry. Let me interrupt you. Yeah. No, no. Here. That's that's fine. Um, man, Robert, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, no, so you had all these people with their white papers. Yeah. And they were, some of them were ripping you off. You could tell which white papers were just copy-paste of the previous one, and they're trying to sell their own scam. Yeah, yeah. Where were you I forgot where I was even heading with that. <laughs> I forgot where I was even heading with that. Jesus. But now you just sound like Elon Musk. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, what were we talking about before? Yes. Right before that. I wish I could wind this. Uh, yeah. Forget it. Anyways, next question. What was proof, proof of work and proof of stake? That's what we're talking about. Um, so a, lot, a lot of these communities, unfortunately, uh, these, these protocols and this technology, unfortunately, didn't come to fruition because they were actually waiting for Ethereum 
Ethereum 2.0 should have came out years ago, but because there's a lot of debate and a lot of um, headbutting with the developers, there's no one's really pushing forward with this, and it's taken so long. And 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 Buterin's over here saying, "Oh, it's only going to take us two years. If you fork, if you if you stake your Ethereum, we can promise you two years." Bull. What? No, no. I can't. I, I'm not. I'm not saying the guy's bad or he's evil, but I can't trust his word anymore because he's done it over and over again. Where it's just no, I'm not. I'm not. No, no. And, you know, I give Raven props for that. They've been very consistent about the asset platform and everything like that. Yes. I do like that message. And Bitcoin's been consistent. And, you know, Dogecoin's been <clears> consistent. <throat> when you have a consistent currency and philosophy and you don't deviate from that, people can get behind it and trust it. Exactly. But you're right. As soon as they start wishy-washy, changing things, it's like, well, why am I even in here? I'll go back to fiat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so the reason why everybody's in, into Ethereum right now because there is a lot of liquidity in Ethereum. And the reason why there's a lot of liquidity in Ethereum because it is actually very easy to create dApps on Ethereum without a doubt. I'm not a developer and I can, pro I can, I can easily create dApps. Literally, copy and paste, change the name. Not that difficult. Oh, yeah. And the protocol is very simple to, to, uh, to start up. Very easy. Very easy. And that's why there's so much money in there because everybody's doing it. Everyone's copying it, changing their name, and just saying, this is now my company. And they fund, <laughs> and people are successful at raising billions and billions of dollars by doing this. Congratulations to them. Awesome. They're bringing more liquidity into blockchain. Love it. I'm not going to get, get mad at them for that. They're getting their cut of the pie. Yeah, and that's what we should be doing with blockchain is empowering people. You don't need an office space anymore and all that overhead to go and get assets out there and do contracts, even globally now. Securely. I mean, that's great. Yeah. I yeah. love it. So, yeah, the small businesses, too. That's the other thing I love about this is a small business can get in here and give you up stock and do things. If we can make it a very streamlined process legally and it's just click, click on a website. Well, and you're registered with the state and you got all your logs online for taxes and all that stuff. If we can make it really simple for anybody to run a business, that would be a great goal that I'd like to see fulfilled with blockchain. So that's actually what Ethereum already, uh, sorry, excuse me, that's what Ravencoin already has with the restricted assets. So that pretty much, once you create that restricted asset of whatever um, amount of assets you want to create, that pretty much almost entitles you to be within the rights of the governments and be legal. Obviously, you still need some contracts. You still need to sign a bunch of paperwork with the governments. But once you create it in, in that fashion as a company, you're pretty much legit to work with block techno technology and utilize it for your company. Now, that the gray area is obviously creating NFTs um, and, and main assets. That's still in the gray area. And people are still trying. There's still not enough vocabulary and, and, and defining what it is, what category it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it is cool that we're dealing with, like, the music industry, say. Like, this would be a great way to do royalties on music as it, it gets passed around and things like that. Yes, and that already exists. Um, I was, I did a podcast, like, last week or two weeks ago in regards to one of the uh, platforms out there that's doing it. Can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but... It was, uh, there is a company out there that actually already has that going and they're utilizing blockchain technology and they are giving back to the community pretty much 100% of the royalties. And the only, the only uh, 
uh, profit that the company actually makes is off the fees being transferred into the block uh, into the blockchain which is amazing because that means that pretty much hundred percent of the profit goes back to the artists to the musicians that's freaking amazing no that's what the world needs. no right. we, well that's what that's what these these artists need for, without a doubt you know because what they what the contracts are right now is literally 30 70 30 percent to the artist 70 percent to the company no, that's horrible. That's horrible, games. Yeah, I mean, I remember hearing Kanye West talk about he got out of the record business was negative fifty three million. Jeez, yeah. And had to use branding and Gap and all these deals to like get back positive. That's and that's just a sad story. I've heard of a lot of people who just yeah. screwed over like that. It's yeah. so not fair. So when you have when and you have blockchain, could see, yeah. I'll bet you the public could see a record company and the actual contracts for all to see online. How this artist was getting screwed over. Mm -hmm. Nobody would ever buy these those people again. We find out who they were. Right. But that's what blockchain enables to do is really buy from people. Yeah. Rather than these corporate companies too. Yeah. So as as more and more companies, because I'm sure this is not just the only blockchain that's going to be out there. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more other blockchain technologies out there. Blockchain companies uh, that are going to create these these media platforms that they're going to allow these artists, you know, uh, to publish their music on there with full rights to to the artists themselves. Not just to the company, but full rights to the artist and 100% profits back to them. Dude, that's a blessing in itself. That's going to save a lot of people, a lot of headaches. That's going to help a lot, of, a lot of families without a doubt, too. Yeah. Yeah, and we're getting into a world. Things that I think about is what happens when there's robots to do everything. What are people going to do? Well, <laughs> speaking of speaking of speaking of robots, there was this pretty cool uh, blockchain. Um, I don't think it actually came out to public uh, fruition, but it was just developers tinkering with the idea of what an AI would do in blockchain. So what they did was they created these two AIs with the basic fundamentals of answer the question question correctly. Uh, AI bot number one and AI bot number two. They each have a wallet with 100 tokens per se, right? And there you go, Kryptonauts. Every single podcast, every single podcast, Robert. So Robert, I, I don't know if you heard my podcast, but in every single episode, the dog has to bark. So that's the crypto dog. Yeah, I was wondering what kind of dog that was. I heard before. Him? Yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. So before I lose track, where was I? Oh, so these two, these two um, AI AI bots. What they would do is ask each other a question. Uh, AI bot number one would say, "What is the color of the sky AI bot number two would say it's blue and AI bot number one would reward AI bot number two its token obviously it's a positive thing not a negative so on the on the protocol it's showing that it's a positive thing so the AI bot would actually get smarter and smarter so these two bots these two artificial intelligence within blockchain would continuously get smarter and smarter and smarter as time went on asking each other these questions so it was like a positive enforcement with the payoff. Exactly. Try harder. Exactly. Oh my God, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> that's but the thing is, it, it's so cool when you literally just put the basic um, uh, action in there, telling it this is all you need to do: answer the question correctly. That's it. If you answer it incorrectly, you will actually be deducted from your wallet. And of course, it, in some cases, it, it was shown that the AI did not answer the question correctly and it was deducted out of its wallet and I could only 
imagine that the AI was very sad, very emotional, and having uh, a mental mental breakdown. <laughs> no, I can't believe I got it wrong. But but that's so cool just to think that we're at that point where we can literally inject artificial intelligence into blockchain and allow it to become smarter. So not only is it decentralized, it is artificial intelligence decentralized, making itself smarter over time. That's mind-blowing. Kaboom. Yeah, I mean, we work similar to ro- I feel like a robot some days in the way I do things. And it's just a good test of how these kinds of tools can enable really good trade in humans to grow. I mean, I really do believe in that. And like I was saying with these robots, when they replace all our jobs and we're on universal basic income or whatever it's going to be when nobody's to really do anything, it should be heaven on earth where everybody's just trading music and having a party all the time because there's nothing to do. The robots are doing it all. You want to go to space? Great. <laughs> yeah. But this kind of technology and having it be free and easy for the artists is how you can enable these people. I mean, for therapy, I actually worked for a hospice company doing IT for a couple of years and just the music therapies they were doing and things like that. I mean, art is everything. So yeah. that's that's something I didn't expect being in the blockchain. And it's funny how these art galleries, I actually bought an NFT at the Raven auction last week. Did you really? Great, by the way. Nice. Oh my God, that was fantastic, by the way, that auction. <laughs> it was. What a cool thing. <laughs> and you got people all over the world, and oh my God, that was so cool. And the NFTs were great, by the way. I have to get better at that software. All right. Making my own. So for the YouTubers watching this, there's a couple art, uh, pieces of art right there on the wall. Is there some over here? No, that's no, that's not it. There's a couple there, and there's some more outside in other buildings. Obviously, if we go roaming around throughout Braveland, for the people that are listening, we're currently in Braveland, and it's pretty much an island with a bunch of buildings. And in each building, there's very unique pieces of artwork created by the Ravenquin community. Most likely, most of it was created by uh, Pathfinder. So, sorry about that. Now, I'm not going to let you get away, Robert. You actually did say something that I want to bring up. You did mention UBIs. Universal Basic Income. Now, I want to get your perspective of what what you think about UBIs in the present and in the future. Well... I mean, you see a lot of systems fail when there isn't the motivation to go and be the best. The competition nature of humanity is kind of what makes us so motivated. So when you lose that, I do fear that, that we're going to not be as creative and things like that. And we still have to get to Mars and be able to live there before we can let Earth go to shit. <laughs> so humanity yeah. survives. So we do have to keep that motivation. But I'm thinking that I'm not having enough faith in humanity, where if there was nothing to do and everybody was fed and everybody was happy... We wouldn't just sit around and waste our time. We'd probably try and get to space faster. And we try and develop even cooler technologies for free and be more willing to share them with everybody because there is no reason to have money because nobody's really going above anybody else. But right now, I feel like you can be super poor in this world and you can be super rich. Once everybody has everything that the super rich have, because we've just made enough of it that everybody's got a jet and everybody's like, we can get to this point where everybody's got everything we ever would want. That's where I think we're going to start hitting universal basic income, but it won't even be needed because those things are just going to be supplied. When you have that surplus from robots creating food and creating things for you, what's the point? What do you need money for? 
That's amazing. I like your positive viewpoint on this. That's that's great. Now the question, the question is, I want to ask about who's going to be if UBIs do come to fruition. Who's going to be in charge of issuing those UBIs? And yeah, the fraud that comes with it. I mean, there's so many ways to go and manipulate the system in any system. Well, who would who would who would issue those? Is is it going to be a physical being? Do you think it's going to be an actual person or a president or a king or some person that's that's high up in power? Because who knows what it's going to look like 50 years or 100 years down the road? Or is it going to be an artificial intelligence? You know, Skynet. I think, I don't think it's either. I think it's going to be you and I and every person on this planet using blockchain technology to vote on how we do. Wow. Dude, that's mind-blowing. That's it right that's there. That's what stuff can enable. Absolutely. That's what it can enable. So that's why I'm here. It's not really for the money. It's more for what can we get out of this because it's a really cool concept. However, the hacking of it, we still don't know the unknowns. So with any new technology. There, was another, there was another company, another blockchain out there. Um, once again, I forget because there's so much stuff out there that I already forgot. This one, this one was like uh, the, be the beginning of the year when, when I first heard about it, when UBIs were pretty much the mainstream word. And there was this, this company out there that is utilizing blockchain, blockchain technology. And if you signed up through their website and created a wallet, they would actually issue you your, your currency, not your currency, their currency their currency, their token into your wallet as a UBI and of course it was backed up by not backed up it was it had value it had fiat value to it so people obviously instantly went over there and signed up and I told my my co-host Jake about it at the time and I said hey man let's go over here and check it out see if we can get in nope they were booked they were fully topped out they were maxed out of all the people that they can uh, sign up with oh, so God. Hey, if they're making money over there and it's free money and they're getting it every single month, congratulations to them, right? It just yeah, it would just be so demotivating in some ways. Yeah, I, I just, I'm I'm curious of what the the statistics are a year after. What's the whole purpose and what does it look like? Are these people utilizing the money or are they back holding it? Are they actually better financially? Are they actually more in default? I'm kind of curious of what the end of that particular project is. Yeah, and you know, I, I keep thinking that money is the only motivator, but I really feel like if there wasn't money on Earth, people would still be motivated. I mean, you see all these, like, non-for-profits and, like, fun dancing for the kids at Penn State where kids would dance for, like, 48 hours straight just wow. to raise money for kids with cancer. Just dancing yeah. for 48 hours for no reason. Like, people will do anything. Even the more random it is, like the ice challenges or cinnamon challenges, like, all mm -hmm. these random things, I feel like people will just do it to do it. And I'm really overthinking the money part. Nice. So here's another topic that I want to transition over into because you kind of touched up on it. So ailments. Ailments exist. People with disabilities, people with sicknesses, people with diseases, people that need medical care. There is block, block, bleh, blockchain technology out there that is being utilized more and more. There's a lot more companies out there. They're not in public face yet because these are private companies utilizing blockchain technology. And the reason they're doing that is because one, it's more affordable than what they were using before. Obviously paper, faxing, emails, it saves a lot of time and a lot of money. 
manpower. Oh yeah. You know that's that's a big issue. Two, it's very transparent in the sense that people's medical data is not transparent. It actually it actually is private. What is transparent is that there is a transaction or data being moved from one place to another, and that's possibly the patient's information, or it can be medicine, or it can just be uh, business records. So on the blockchain itself, publicly, the public blockchain, you can only see transactions being pushed, but not necessarily what's encrypted in that file, which is pretty dang cool because that means that, you know, the issue, if I went to another country, for example, if I went to uh, Spain, which I would love to go to Spain one of these days, um, to 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 have an, a medical emergency in Spain, and say, hey, these are my medical issues. If I had any, if I had medical issues, and my doctor would not know anything about me in Spain, that's a big problem. That means they would have to do everything all over again just to figure out what's wrong with me and give me all this medication. But being on blockchain. All they have to do is tap my name in the blockchain records and everything pops up all my history. That's a beautiful thing. I love that. Yeah, you were a genius on that concept. Well, right no, it actually like, it actually was not my concept. It, it actually wasn't my con it, it actually wasn't my concept. It was actually one of the guests that I had on one of my meetups here in Silicon Valley. She came down from oh, no, like, uh, she came down from Stanford and she was pitching this idea about doing this exact thing. At that time, um, was it five, six years ago? At that time, people were actually discouraged about it because the way she pitched it, I, I, I think if they had a different speaker, maybe it would have been taken a lot, it would have been accepted a lot more better. But it seemed like people did not really accept it only because the way she pitched it was that we're creating a private blockchain and we will sell your data. Yeah. But that's now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's now, right? So, but at the time, the way she was explaining it. So when you, so when I was doing developer meetings here, these are developers. These are people working on blockchain technology. These are people with free minds. Decentralization, blockchain technology should be free. So for someone to step on the platform and say, "Hey, we're going to use blockchain and we're going to privatize it and profit off of it," it didn't sound too good with developers. So nobody really jumped over there, but maybe some did. Maybe some people. Oh, jeez. Got some in the oven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, some crypto stuff that I got to check up later on. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. And real quick before we uh, get to wrapping up here, uh, the music industry. I mean, we, what's great about blockchain is that the world is already messed up. Like the amount of counterfeiting that goes on with the U.S. dollar, the way we're just printing the hell out of it to the back of mm -hmm. Yeah. It's already a shit show, so crypto being kind of a shit show doesn't really matter. And when you look at games, like I played Ultima Online when I was a kid, things like that that came up, that coin in the game was worth a shitload of real U.S. dollars. It's the same thing. Just on that platform, in that world, you're using that as the currency. I kind of look at that as like any vertical or maybe hospitals, like you said, use that kind of cryptocurrency, but it's just in the form of medical records. Like you said, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I like yeah, I, I like the idea now. I like the idea now, but back then I was pretty much with everyone else at the time. It was only the way she pitched it. I think if there was somebody else uh, doing this, doing the spiel, doing the speech, I think it probably would have been accepted a little better. But even at that time, 
it was more block, uh, block, blockchain technology. Like, if you look at present time for the new cryptonauts out there listening to this, there's a lot more corporate involvement now with blockchain technology than there was back then. Back then, it was just developers and hardcore geeks. That's all there was. So when you have somebody from MIT coming up and getting on the platform and saying, hey, we're going to privatize blockchain technology and we're going to profit off of it, it didn't sound too good. It wasn't accepted too good. But now, currently, in 2021, I had to look at my calendar. What year are we at? <laughs> 2021, uh, it's, it, it is accepted a lot better because now there's a lot more corporations uh, involved with blockchain technology and knowing that they are actually adapting to it without destroying it and that was i think the fear initially was that now you got somebody from from stanford trying to come over and, and pitch their billions of dollars into it and trying to take over blockchain technology now it's that's not going to happen that's the beauty of block blockchain technology is that they can create their own they can privatize it they can profit off of it as a matter of fact everyone can yeah it should be a standard for the government too yeah you're 100 right yeah well and, speaking of governments I don't want to wrap this up quite yet because there's one more thing. CBDCs. CBDCs? CBDCs. Was that for uh, joint pain? No. Hold on. Dang it. Hold on. Everyone's trying to call me now. Jesus. Central bank digital currencies. I'll call them back right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just like Visa, you know, taking the USD. I feel like we're already there. And that was uh, my point to you. I think why corporations are adopting it more. The only thing I can really give you as an expertise point is the corporate landscape of deploying desktops and applications and data, which is how the world works. I mean, what tools do you use in an office? Applications, desktops, data. So when you have $1.5 trillion in 2019 was stolen worldwide uh-huh. and only getting worse with AI technology getting to be the hackers. It's not just some kids hacking anymore. And by the way, there's a ton more kids that can hack, including my nine-year-old stepdaughter over here attacking Roblox and then had $200 stolen from her because she was doing a JavaScript hack to walk through walls. I'm like, how do you even know how to do this stuff? We had dial-up when I was a kid. (laughs) So there's a level of knowledge that all the kids have, plus AI. Everything's hackable now. And working in hospice, like, they're faxing stuff. That's so open. They had... Tape, like VHS tape backup tapes when I started there. I redesigned that to do NAS devices in 50 locations. Oh like, man, NAS devices? You would have loved yeah, to have you, you would have loved to have Jake on here. So Robert, the next time we get you we get you on the podcast, you're gonna love talking to Jake because Jake, you guys are pretty much had the same similarities when it comes to you guys' uh, uh, work history. It's pretty cool. Pretty hey, cool. Jake, Jake who? J- uh, Jake Jabrelli, he's my co-host. He's the guy that I told you that, has, uh, that oh, owns yeah, yeah. Jabrelli Farms. So w- going back to CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. So currently right now, you can pretty much name any country. Every country is trying to create their own their own digital currency using block- blockchain technology. Just like the USDC, just like DAI. Well, DAI is different, but USDC, oh, just pretty much generally stable coins and USDC is going to be backed by a dollar right or yep. a ruby or a yen right now the idea behind that is obviously to have more control over the currency that they're flowing out and, and coming in what I don't like about CBDCs is that once again it is going to be a centralized entity that's going to be owned by the nation's government that's a big problem 
You know, at least with Fiat, at least with Fiat, I have a hundred bucks. I can take that down to the store and, and buy my bag of potato chips without the government knowing. But if it's under CBDC with with uh, blockchain technology, that's when we start veering more into the whole uh, social credit, knowing that if I ended up uh, not buying a bag of chips and I bought me a pack of cigarettes and the government does not want me to smoke, well, guess what? I get my social credit uh, cut and that means that my accounts get frozen for a day. That's pretty bad. I don't like that idea. Yeah, that is something that I'm here to prevent. That is my sole existence on this planet is to make sure we don't get Demolition Man, that movie. <laughs> Demolition Man, nice. I like that. Cursing and then it would like ding him credits. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that, that actually is going on with, with China right now. That's the issue that they're having right now. So to have blockchain te technology right now and to have that utilization to just move your fiat from one nation to another with your mind, okay? Let me, that's the beauty about block, block tech, tech, ah, blockchain technology is that literally with your mind, you can move a, a billion dollars with your mind. As long as you can remember and memorize, for all the cryptonauts out there, memorize your private keys. If you're in a third world country right now listening to this podcast, memorize your private keys Transfer your fiat into crypto, into a stablecoin, preferably, just for the safety, your safe, safe mind, obviously, and memorize your private keys. So if you ever leave a country in which you're fleeing from and you have your phone confiscated, because that's normally where you're going to keep your private keys, you have your phone confiscated, and don't have your private keys on your phone, please don't do that. Memorize it, write it down, uh, memorize it, just memorize it. Memorize your private keys. So the moment, the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tattoo the body. Yeah, memorize it. Um, because even even when you do a strip strip search, because actually I was on a podcast what like two days ago, we're talking about tattoos on bodies. No, don't do that. Don't put <laughs> your private keys as a tattoo on your body. That's that's a horrible way to do it. Don't do that. First of all, it's painful, sort of. Not really. A little bit. Second. It's it is publicly visible because even if you're trying to if if you're fleeing a country, or if you're going uh, into into jail, for example, or prison, you're going to be strip searched. Your private keys are going to be very visible. And if you are a person that holds a pretty hefty bag, guess what? I can promise you, somebody's going to take those private keys from you. Right. So be be Unless careful with that. <laughs> Glow in the dark ink. Love it. I love it, Robert. All right. So with that said, Kryptonauts, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Robert, any last words? Yeah, thanks for having me as well. I was going to say. Thank you, Robert. Chat, I appreciate it. <laughs> that was nice. We, we literally just met up and we're, we did this podcast. So with that said, Kryptonauts, thank you, Robert. And thank you for all the listeners all around the globe for listening to this podcast. And now... We're going to start using YouTube slash library here in, in the near future with my partners, uh, Jake and Mike. So stay tuned for that. With that said, catch us out in Discord. And I think that's all we have, right? Discord? Yeah. So with that said, stack sats and hodl. Adios.